0: Are you saving 50% of your income? If your answer is yes, then fire might be for you. Financial independence, retire early is a movement that's based on that principle. It's an aggressive savings investment strategy that aims to lower the retirement age into the 50s, 40s, and even 30s. In this episode, we break down the mechanics of this strategy and discuss what we really like about it.
1: Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics, presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you.
0: Welcome to episode 33 of the Financially Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared towards making you more financially literate. I'm Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner. I'm joined, as always, with co-host, certified financial planner, JD, wealth manager, industry expert, award-winning finance guy.
2: Oh, my Lance, is getting long now. Tanner
0: Bortnum. <laughs> no, I just added that last part in. Award-winning, right?
2: Uh, well, yeah, yeah, based on our last... Say? Yep, we went over that on the last... Uh, uh, last episode, but yeah, we're, that that's getting long. It's like, uh, we'll have to cut that down.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to say, certified financial planner, award-winning dude. That's Finance fine. Finance dude. That, honestly, <laughs> that's
2: fine. <laughs> uh,
0: getting long. That's all right. That means you're just really smart.
2: Well, I appreciate that, but I don't want it to come off as arrogant or... Us back-patting ourselves. Patting? Patting okay. ourselves on the back? Whatever. So We'll
0: let our listeners pat ourselves on the back.
2: Yeah. I yeah, yeah. like that.
0: Sweet. Well, today's episode, or this episode, is uh topic we're going to talk about, the FIRE principle. Um, if you're not familiar with FIRE, it's an acronym, uh, and it stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. Um, become a, a popular movement. It's probably been... Practiced, you know, for a number of years, it just feels like uh, more of a social media trend um, lately for the the younger generations. So, um, first, we'll just simply talk about defining what it is and what what financial independence retire early means.
2: Yes, so a uh, little history on it. Um, so did you know, obviously. We always do research before every podcast episode. Um, but on this one, you know, it was pretty interesting. I figured this would have been a lot, you know, more recent of a movement, as, as you mentioned. You know, obviously, I've heard about it for since I've been in the industry. But um, it actually started back in uh, 92 is kind of the what people think is the origination of this. Uh, a couple of people worked on Wall Street saved tons and tons of money and, and were able to retire in their early thirties and then started, you know, wrote some books or a website or, you know, anyways, kind of people wanted to know how they did this. And so that's kind of the origination of where people think that the FIRE movement started. Um, but what it is, it, I mean, it's, it's exactly what the acronyms sound like. It's trying to gain financial independence and the ability to retire early. Um, yeah. How's that for just its basics. Yeah.
0: Yep. Um and just talking before uh we we press record on this episode it's it's important to remember that just like everything it's kind of not a hard fast rule, blanket uh principle. Um there's a spectrum to it. So um it's all heavily dependent on uh your situation, how you'd value Um, I guess that's a bad way to, 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 to say it is what you value, um, put a value on it and then take your income, your situation, whatever, and apply this, the, the principles to it. So not every number that we are about to talk about in this episode is going to apply to everybody. And it's just like a financial plan, right?
1: Yes. Tanner is
0: everybody's, um, Situation and their plan or their fire plan might be different um, sides of the spectrum of how aggressive you want to be with it. Um, it just gives a nice little um, guide point of how, how the the mechanics of it work. So, do you want to jump into some some mechanics of of the fire movement if someone's interested in? And doing this and becoming more independent, um, yeah, and not relying on that.
2: Yeah, that, let's do that. that uh, but just real quick, I think that's a really, really great point that you just made. Um, you know, the the fire movement is, you know, it, it's kind of deemed as this huge movement and this this it's its own thing, you know, that no one else really does. Like you're either doing the fire movement or you're or you're not. And and I I, I really disagree with that. I think that. Um, you know, even if you're not trying to do the fire movement as you know we work through all of this, you know, you still we all should try to take principles from it because it's just being really financially sound. And then it's just a matter of, you know, like Adam mentioned, a spectrum of how aggressive do you want to be? just like any financial plan, right? We set up when do you want to retire, How much money do you want every single year? and we create a plan for that. This is just doing the same thing on steroids and moving those dates way up. You know, a lot of people on the more aggressive end of the fire movement are trying to retire sometime in their thirties, you know, maybe forties. And so you're just removing your financial independence or your retirement date up. And how do you get to that? And the only way to do that is creating a financial plan to do so, a fire financial plan, but it's, um, it's the same principles, uh, that we go over, you know, in all of our, our episodes.
0: FIRE probably sounds better than just a boring financial. I
2: system. agree. Oh, I agree. Totally. I mean, and it's, you know, it, it definitely is. I'm sure there's obviously marketing to it. I mean, as we get into this, a lot of the people who are have been very, very successful at the FIRE movement and have retired really early, they continue to make some of their income off of writing books or blogs or YouTube videos or whatever. So, sure. you know, obviously you want to have that marketing hook to try to get everyone else to do it because then that's how you make your money. So, um, but yeah, let's jump into kind of what it is and and go over some of the, the numbers so that people have some examples.
0: Right on. So, okay, mechanics. Um, what are some of the main factors that go into to starting and becoming if you wanna join the FIRE movement?
2: Yeah, so typically um, it's, you know, again, it's people who don't wanna work until they're 65 or the traditional 60, 65 range um, and wanna retire significantly earlier. And so, you know, what they're doing is saying, I'm willing to be a you know a super saver, basically, for sure. a set period of years and in return, I get my time back. You know, I have the ability, I have financial independence. I can retire early. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Again, that's that's up to you. But you at least have that ability and you're not, you know, quote unquote, stuck at work is kind of the, mm. the biggest thing that I've from, you know, reading through all of the um, people who have, have their own blogs and websites and whatnot. That's the, the biggest value, I feel like. Um, that they, they really propose is that you're, you have that, the financial independence piece is the, the key piece is what it seems like. Um, and so, you know, you just take your age and think about when do you want to retire? And, uh, kind of as, as a starting point, you need to know two main things. What do you want is your expenses and what age do you want to retire? And then you can reverse engineer this out. So for example, um, what do we want to use? I'm going to do easy math. So we want a hundred thousand dollars as expenses, and how many years from now do we want to retire?
0: Oh, let's let's th- thirty years old. So, uh, or that's a bad example, right? Because we don't know
2: what the age. Just how many years from now? Yeah, you know, if you're if you're thirty, What's let's just super, do that.
0: Right. I mean. 10 years would be too aggressive, wouldn't it? Or uh,
2: it depends. Well, let's just let's just start there. Let's start there. Okay. So, if someone and again, it doesn't matter your age, um if you want to retire in 10 years and you haven't started, you're starting from scratch, uh, you're going to need, you know, at least 2.5 million. So the easiest math is just multiply your expenses that you need times 25. So, if you need $100,000 a year. That is going to be 2.5 million is the nest egg you're going to need before you can, you know, retire early and, and be financially independent. And that is based on what's called the 4% rule. And, uh, the 4% rule is just a withdrawal rate. So if you take 4% out every single year of your nest egg, you, again, it's, it's based on statistics, but you, you have a very, very high probability of success um, of a successful retirement. Now, there's a couple caveats we'll get into with risks of the FIRE movement later on. But for now, mm-hmm. let's just leave it at that, that there's the 4% rule. And to reverse engineer us out, yeah, it's 25 times your yearly expenses is what you're gonna need. If you wanna be more conservative and do a 3% rule, Um, that gives you an even better probability of success, uh, then it's going to be, you know, 33.3 times. So you're going to need 3.3 million or whatever that would be. Um, so that's, and and then now we said, we want to get that in 10 years, right? So to get that in 10 years with no growth, easy math, you need $250,000 a year. Um, so you, you need a really, really high income and, Mm -hmm. you know, low expenses now. That is just that one, you know, example there's, there's hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of iterations. Obviously you could go through depending upon your starting age and when you want to retire and how many years, but you know, or a hundred thousand, maybe that's a lot. Maybe you want 50,000. So that gets cut in half. It's 1.25 million. So now you're trying to save $125,000 a year over a 10 year period. Um, again, that's a lot of money, but at least it gives you a guideline of where you're starting and kind of what you need to get to that that nest egg at the end
0: yeah there's a lot of different starting points or things that you need to define before you you jump into that calculation i think the first thing if anybody's interested in starting or or joining the fire movement i don't like to use <laughs> that but um and maybe that's why it's a hook cuz you can market it like that instead of just I have a good financial plan. But um, I think step one is just defining what you value. And and then step two would be um, defining your your lifestyle and your standard of living. And that'll give you your expenses. So uh, maybe you're listening to this podcast and just go, you know what, I'm kind of in the rat race and just kind of approaching life like everybody else or, you know, what I was told to do or however my parents told me to do it. And maybe I can, maybe your your expenses are $100,000 a year, but you know that there's a lot of waste going into that. So you can scale that back and get it to $75,000 or, or whatever. Um, and I saw other examples in, during my research of, okay, your your expenses are $75,000. You value living um, to take vacations or do whatever you're doing with that $75,000. But you're also going to supplement it with twenty five thousand dollars of income. So then it that reduces it to fifty, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of different factors that go into that that calculation. So um right. For us, it's we're just giving basic examples, easy math, but um, you know, we gave you that formula so you can tailor it to however you want to approach that. Um
2: yeah, yeah. And so I think that, I, I kinda wanna jump in here real quick because you're hitting the nail on the head of how you know, obviously difficult. This is, it's, it's, as we mentioned, it's just like anytime we're talking about a topic, I can't give us necessarily a specific on anyone's individual situation because everyone's situation is different. This is a, you're creating a financial plan for yourself or, you know, working with an advisor to do so, Um, you know, and, and having that income, some people will have a, through their asset building, phase will will get some real estate so that they have a rental just like Adam mentioned. So mm-hmm. okay, now 25,000 of your $75,000 um expenses per year is taken care of by your rental or you know whatever it is or you can lower your expenses or you can work a couple of years longer. I mean there there's no perfect right way to do it. It's absolutely up to you. And you know, I I do think going back to it, I think that, you know, having its own name and the fire movement and whatnot is probably a marketing technique but at the same time i i I really like it um
0: that that was gonna be my last question but we'll we'll get to that of just like when i was going through it i was like i wonder what tanner thinks of this and just knowing you know and having this podcast and talking to you over the years mm -hmm. i'm like he's gonna like that he's that's essentially what we've talked about before. So I, I was just like, I wonder. I think he's gonna really like this, but you know, obviously with everything, there's gonna be some caveats. So I'm interested right. to see um, some of that. Sorry to to interrupt you. No, but you're that fine. Was when I was uh, just reading up on this, I was like, this is a, this is just kind of what we've all talked about with just being a financial plan. So exactly I'm glad that you said that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know you're exactly right. It's, it is something that, you know, I don't think the fire movement to keep it as a, as a movement is for everyone, but that, but that's just because like not everyone values this. I, I mean, I think it all goes back to our main thing of harmony wealth and our, one of our first podcasts and and everything is finding your why, like what is your, why is your, why mm-hmm to have financial independence and how soon, because the sooner you want to have that, the more aggressive in savings you need to be. And to me, when I build out financial plans for any client, our main goal is when, you know, obviously when do you want to retire, but when do you want to be financially independent? Because that, I mean, just personally, that to me is the greatest part of this you know, once you hit that financial independence, you're choosing to go to work. You're not required to go to work anymore. You can do part-time. You can keep working full-time. You can quit your job and go do uh, volunteering. Like, you are at that point where you can now do whatever is truly your calling or truly, and hopefully you're doing that in your career already. But if you aren't, you now have that ability to do that and the, and the freedom and that just has so much value to me. Um, and I think it should for everybody. So, you know, even if your goal isn't to retire at age 40, I mean, some of the things we're gonna go over of, you know, helping lower expenses, saving more, different things, it just leads you to be financially independent sooner, which gives you that freedom to choose rather than, well, I can't retire yet. I'm still stuck here for another five or 10 years because I didn't save enough at the beginning and you know we all want to have that freedom and that flexibility so why would we not try to get there as soon as we can yeah
0: it's uh it's it's an interesting concept um so uh, just to review a couple of the numbers to keep in in mind is 25 times uh investment or savings rate and the 4% rule and that is based on historical returns of 8%. That's a key figure that I don't think we mentioned yet. Uh, no, we did um, not. Yep. Good point. Um, did we break down the 4% rule and why it's 4% of the 8%? Uh,
2: no, but it's just, it's a, safe, it's what's considered a safe withdrawal rate to not burn right. through your, um, your what your investments should make and your principal over a 40-year time period with a average right with average inflation and an average return of eight percent on your investment assets so you know all those things are averages as of right now you know looking at this in 2022 it'd be a pretty tough year for anyone trying to do the fire movement because (laughs) inflation is eight percent which is four times higher than average uh and you know the markets are all down and so you're not getting an 8% your your account actually went down so but again it's just averages um over a 40 year period so a lot a lot of, lot of years left obviously to make make those things back so if
0: someone's listening and is like yep I'm in what do I what do I have to do to make sure I'm a good fit for jumping into this spectrum um so who who is it for i know that's a tough question based on what we said of you know it's not a one size fit all thing um but who is it who is it for who could do this sure
2: i'm gonna break it up into a couple different categories um so for the what i'm gonna call hardcore fire movement what you're gonna If you go out and do more research and and look at what the fire movement is, um, you know, the people trying to retire in their 30s or early 40s, you know, the word I added on there was hardcore. So that means you need to be a hardcore saver. You need to have the ability and the discipline and the drive to be a hardcore saver. Um, Obviously, the more income you make makes that easier for you. But... You know, it it really doesn't matter. The the biggest thing is your savings rate. How much how much money can you save? You know, if you make a million dollars a year but you have nine hundred and ninety thousand dollars in expenses, you're only saving ten thousand dollars, even though you have a super high income. So it's how much are you saving every year? Obviously, a higher income can make that a bigger number, but not always. Um so I would say on that side of things if you're wanting to be very we'll keep it the same very hardcore on it then you have to have hardcore discipline uh to do that. If that's not you, I still think you know again the principles of this are, are for anybody. Um right. you know, you can you can we can all save more. We can all try to cut out you know meaningless expenses that we all have. Um you know, it's just if you need to be much more disciplined the earlier you want to retire so you could either
0: approach this in in a couple of different ways I think um, if you want to be truly financial in, financially independent, um, you can set out a plan to uh, either you know advance in your career or make more money um, or invest in assets that slowly become more of your portfolio of income. And slowly de- decline your reliance on a day-to-day full-time job, or uh, I think the more extreme fire people would be. Let's just keep or try to keep my income at the same level and really aggressively reduce my expenses and right. live a means within my means, even less expensive. Um,
2: so when and 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 that is all you know again that goes back to how it's it's so individually tailored for each person because someone who i love to travel so we'll just use me i love to travel but i like traveling to different countries now can you travel to different countries more expensively and less expensively of course you can but for someone who says well, I like to travel, but I like camping more than going to other countries, Mm. obviously going to be a lot easier to still satisfy your travel needs and do it at a much cheaper cost via camping than, you know, having to get on a plane and fly to Europe or, you know, wherever a person wants to go. And so, you know, it's just all about you, what you want, what your expenses are, you know, and that's, as we always talk about that with any financial plan, that that's the key. It, it's geared around you and what's important to you. Are you a glamper? No, I. I'm I mean, I like I like ac- I, camping as well. And when we go, we have a tent, and you know, we we do have an air mattress now. But you know, for the last five years or so, I have been sleeping. You know, on a little air pad that's on the on the ground. We have a tent, and I we don't have a camp or anything like that. I like that, but I like. Um, that's more of a short getaway for me rather than mm. I like to go see other cultures um for my travels and but that that's not what this episode's sure. on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a glamper. I hate camping. I need AC.
0: Um but t- yeah, taking a look at the main factors of of that formula and making sure your savings rate uh where is where it needs to be, you can reduce those. Uh, main expenditures and these uh, figures are based on uh, the U.S Bureau of Labor Statistics so the two bi- three biggest expenses that the average American household has uh, is housing which is 34 percent of our expenses uh, transportation 16 percent and food 12 percent um, so the average household net income, is seventy about seventy nine thousand dollars. So, thirty four percent of that figure for housing is about eighteen eighty five a month, or twenty, just under twenty three thousand dollars a year. And then transportation's just under about a thousand dollars per month. So, a lot of the, a lot of the examples that I've seen in the extreme fire folks on you know social media is probably where my main outlet for that uh consumption is is folks that combine their housing expenses and transportation expenses um and live in a van and kind of go off grid and and with technology the way way it is some some folks are fortunate enough to be able to to work remotely um, to sustain that that full-time income or maybe it's a part-time income but they they hop in their van load up and they they value that freedom they value um, exploring or traveling around the the united states or wherever they are with the freedom of just packing up their stuff and and, and going and driving so i think that's a, a good way an aggressive way to to reduce that that cost uh that expense is to combine transportation and housing if you're not uh, uh within the means to increase or a high earner uh increase your income for that so there are multiple multiple different ways to to get to the end point with, with this, this formula. Um, and everybody's going to do it differently.
2: Right. And I think I, 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 I've seen those people as well that, that have done that. And I, I think that that's gonna be a very low percentage of the population that's willing to go sure. live in a van. Um, you know, but even just simple things like buy a house that you can actually afford, don't necessarily max out what the maximum amount that you can take out on a loan. Uh, you know, don't rack up, credit card debt and pay it off every month you know i mean there's there's just yeah i'm not on the dave ramsey boat of oh you can't have debt you can't have any of this because that's just financially silly to be honest um, when interest rates are low but you know if you are maxing all these things out like take your home you know interest rates aren't anymore but they were super low and but if you are maxing that out and and buying more than you can truly afford well that's a quick way to make sure that you do have to work a lot more years than necessary rather than buying a reasonable home that will suit your needs um you know and again to 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 each their own that's every individual person's um you know path to figure out what what their needs are but you know the the cheaper you can keep things uh or the more reasonable um obviously the easier this this is going to be, uh, you know, to try to do the fire movement or just have a successful retirement in general.
0: Sure. I wonder what, um, what a average, let me ask you this, looking at these numbers, housing, 34%, 16, or transportation, 16%, food, 12%. I'm going to just cut out food. Wh- what would you say and again to each their own what would you say is a healthy i feel like 34% for your housing is quite high so um, what would you say is a good goldilocks percentage of what those expenses should be
2: <laughs> again it depends <laughs> if we're try let's keep it if you're trying to do the fire movement rather than for everyone if you're trying to do the fire movement the the transportation expenses are significantly high, but that's that's a issue that we have across this country is everyone buys super expensive vehicles for sure. Really which is nuts. it drives you from point A to point B and I'm not saying you have to have a beater that barely runs from, you know, 1950, but you know, a Lamborghini gets you from point A to point B just like a Toyota Camry does and they depreciate. It's not an appreciating asset. I mean, at least when people overspend on their home Typically, their home should go up in value. I don't think you should do that in the first place, but at least it ho- or should hold its value. All cars do are is an expense, so the transportation cost is significantly too high. Um, and the housing cost at 34%, that is going to be basically the maximum or close to the maximum you can take out on a mortgage. So the, I don't know if... Uh, I didn't see these stats. I don't know if that's everybody or if that's just people with a mortgage. But uh, that's about what what you can max out with a, um, with with your mortgage is is how much the, um, your, what you can take out. Yeah, based on your income. So yeah, your power to buy. Right. So that's to me. That's Buying talking power. about people with mortgages for the most point. And if you're trying to do the fire movement, um, you know. Again, it's going to depend what's your interest rate that you have on on your home. If you're really low at two and a half or three percent, um, you know, one of the easiest things to do is try to pay off your mortgage, and then you should have very very little expenses. I mean, utilities and whatnot with your home, uh, and then that helps more of the income you're getting from your nest egg go to you. But there also is the argument of your in, your interest rate could be so low on your house that leaving it in your investments earning let's call it seven percent you know or our earlier one said eight percent well let's do eight because that's what we talked about earlier so if your investments earn an average of eight but your your loan is at three well you're netting five percent per year more money than paying off your debt Um, Mm -hmm. so there is a, an argument to be made. It just really depends on what your interest rate is at and what you're comfortable with. But, um, I would say if you're trying to do the fire movement, both of those numbers are too high. How high transportation way too high. Um, but that didn't
0: even keep in, uh, keep in mind utilities.
2: Right, exactly. That's,
0: and, and property taxes, because right. that, that was another percentage.
2: Yep, So that's just the house. So to me, that is the mortgage. the mortgage. That's people with just the mortgage, right. So that's yeah. basically someone went out and maxed. I shouldn't say someone, whoever they you know, did the study on. This is
0: average Americans, according to the U.S. Bureau of Statistics,
2: labor statistics. I find that hard to believe, because there are people out there with no mortgage, which would bring that number down. And maybe it's... Yeah. Anyways, it is what it is. It's too high. That's yep. that's the goal. It's too high if you're trying to do the fire. We don't need to double check the government's math. Um,
0: I'll leave that up to you. But um, some like reading this, I think it's well a point that I want to make before we jump into that. But the bank is not the person you should rely <laughs> rely on on saying yes. They'll say yeah, you can afford it, but you should really you know, ask someone like Tanner, like they don't, they want to make money. Absolutely. Yes. You, you can afford this according to your uh, debt ratio or your buying power whatever, but it doesn't necessarily mean you should. Correct. Um, So
2: I'm going to jump in here because that's a very good point. And this is in no disrespect to anyone in the, the whole buying a house process, but like, just look at how buying a house process works. You have a bank that makes money off of the interest rate that you and the amount of the loan. So the more of your loan, the more interest they're going to make over the course of you having that loan. And then you have you know, the mortgage itself. Well, there's costs in that. And then you have, uh, you know, realtor fees that go, you know, it's a seller has to pay those, but, um, you know, all of these things the the more that that house is bought for or the more money you spend the more everyone in that chain makes so there clearly is an incentive for those prices to be as high as possible because then everyone makes more money other than you you now spend more money on that home so you know there that is just the key like yes you can afford quote-unquote, afford certain things or you're pre-qualified for certain levels, that doesn't mean you should go to that limit. That is the absolute maximum the government is going to let you take out on a loan, um, I guess, if it gets sold to the government. But that's the maximum you can take out on a loan. That doesn't mean that you should should do that. That's like a credit card, right? If you get a credit card from Visa and they say, hey, your credit card limit is $20,000 a month, should we just instantly go put $20,000 on that card? No, of course not. We need to put only what we can pay off. So, yeah. you know, housing should be the same thought process. Like, okay, here's what you can go up to, but you you definitely don't have to. And I feel like the mentality in in the country is different. Like, this is how much I can spend on a house. So, like I I go to that. Yeah. I mean, I I think a vast majority of mortgages if you looked at them would be very close to what the maximum that those people could purchase. And that's the wrong mentality to have.
0: Razor-thin line.
2: Exactly. Yeah, because you're giving yourself less room for error. If something comes up and now you've maxed this out, and you've maxed out, you know, you have a really expensive car and you have all these things, like, okay, well, now what happens when uh, you have a health thing comes up and you owe $10,000, you know, or whatever? Like, things happen. You have to have those cushions. You have to build in those cushions.
0: When you look at the, the principles in, of this this fire movement, you see save more and being aggressive. You, you don't necessarily think of any risks of, of saving more. But what are some of the risks when researching this or looking at this that may not be surface level for someone that would kind of jump full, both feet, full spectrum into this. Yeah. What what are some of those things that we should think about before fully diving in?
2: Yes. And this was very interesting to me. Um, All of these risks are things that I thought of, uh, except one. Every website I visited, every podcast I listened to, every... Uh, blog, you know, all of it, there was one website that even listed out risks, which kind of blew my mind. Everyone else just talked about all the benefits and how you achieve it, which is good, but that's only part of the story. So, so you know, some things to consider if you are going to go down this path. The first one is, is that 4% rule. The 4% rule was designed to have 100% success over a 40-year retirement. Okay, so if you're retiring at age... 40 you very well could have a longer than 40 year retirement if you're retiring at age 30 you very well could have a longer so Mm. does the four percent rule and they haven't tested it longer than that right so if you're going to be retiring below those i would suggest try to go you know 3.5 or 3 percent rule and give yourself more room for error because your retirement is going to be so much longer than um, you know the standard. Um, another thing that to to consider is a lot of people who have success with the fire movement, um, you know, it's not that they just get to this point and then literally never work anymore. Of course, there are those people, sure. but a lot of them. Know, they do blogs that they get money from advertisement or they do YouTube where they have followers and get paid or they write books or you know there's some sort of part-time income generation that helps supplement uh you know the investment side of things so for years like you know for years like this 2022 um that haven't been very good in the investment world and inflation is high you have that extra income to help um you know, lessen the burden that your, your investments have to carry. So just something to think about just because a few people completely retire, I would say most people, um, at least from my reading, I haven't obviously interviewed everybody who's done this, but most people have some sort of, you know, income generation that they, that they'll look at. Um, oh, go ahead. You look like you want to say something. Well, yeah,
0: it just goes back to what you retire early, defining what retirement right. is. is going to be different for everybody if you're willing to supplement it, how you supplement that, if you want to go back to work, if you want to call it that, or you've got assets that are generating income. It's going to be different. So um, it's just an interesting principle to look at right
2: well and and kind of keeping with that that four percent rule just to wrap this up that is saying that you get to take out or if you do the three percent whatever but you get to take out that percentage of your investments your nest egg every year so in again in a year like this where it's down four percent of less money is less money so you have to be able if you're not going to work and not going to have any other income, and you're going to stick strictly to the four percent rule, you're going to have less income coming in this year. You're going to need to be able to cut back expenses even more. And so again, like I think that I, I'm all for people trying to be uh, financially independent, and and if you want to retire early, that that's great. But just make sure you have that cushion or you have that availability to go do a part-time job or you have something because there are going to be years and you can't control when they come, but there are going to be years where the markets are down and so your income is also going to be down. Um, and then kind of piggybacking off of that, we talked about you know what are you going to do with all of this free time. So, so you got to think about that, which I talk about this yeah. with any of my clients who are retiring, even if they're in their 60s, is you're going to go from, working eight to five and now you're going to need to, right. You're going to need to fill in that time. And that that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, it's just something to make sure you consider because you don't want to, you know, work super hard, do this fire movement, be a super saver for 10, 15 years, whatever it takes you. And then retire and and, and hate your life because you're just bored all the time. Like you know you like you work super hard, and even if you're tired at sixty five, you work super hard to have to retire whenever it is for you. Now we need to make sure that we have things to fill our time and a purpose and a you know a why and and all of those things. So just keep that in mind, um, as well. Uh, one other kind of risk factor is uh, you know to think about is particularly with the fire movement is, you know, if you're retiring again at age 40, most people are in pretty good health. Our health costs are pretty low. Um, you know, maybe Mm. your job provided you with health insurance. So you're going to have to factor all these things in that you do to pay for that because you're not going to have a job now. And, you know, let's say, um, going back to, you know, and expenses, let's say you, 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 think that you can live off $50,000 a year at age 40. Okay, well, what about when you're 70 and now your health expenses are likely going to be a lot higher than they are at 40? So you have to factor those in that your expenses are not just going to go up via inflation, but they're likely to be higher later in life just because health co- care costs go up so much. Um, so again, may need to increase that cushion over the, the 4% rule. Um social security, something to think about. Less years working equals less social security that you get. Um, you know, if you're a young person, maybe you don't care because you don't believe Social Security is going to be around by the time you're you're of retirement age, uh teach their own. But again, just a factor to think about. And then the biggest one for me that I did not see discussed anywhere was um a lot of times. As these websites and blogs are talking about how to how to save and how to get to that, they're saying you know put as much money as you can into tax deferred accounts, aka retirement accounts. Get as much out of the employer match as you can. Um, you know do all of those things, and they talk about saving in retirement accounts. And once you've maxed all that out, because that's the most tax efficient way, then you save in a regular investment account on top of it. Well. That's kind of where you could have a, a potential issue is, is if you're taking money out of your 401k or your traditional IRA before 59 and a half, you're going to have a 10% penalty on top of the taxes that you have to pay. So you definitely need to make sure that you have a regular investment account with enough money in there for you to live off of, basically until you get to 59 and a half. So just let's call it 60. So if you retire at 40, you need 20 years worth of money to live off of that is not inside a 401k or an IRA, or you're just going to give 10% of everything you work super hard to get back to the government for no reason. So keep that in mind. Definitely keep that in mind. That was,
0: yeah, that was a follow-up question that I was going to ask that we didn't necessarily get to is is the mechanics of how, where you put these savings.
2: Super important. Super poor, um, even more, uh, not even more. To to kind of
0: use it as like a ca- a cash account and keep it fluid to, to, to draw that. So right. how, how are they invested in, and this is, again, not a blanket, one size fit all mm-hmm. situation. So do they just take a withdrawal once a year? Or are you doing quarterly? Oh, that, or? Yeah,
2: that's up to anybody. However, they would want to do that. Um, I would say most people, typically when they're, in retirement, um, I would presume the fire movement would be similar. Most people are used to at least a monthly paycheck, and so getting a monthly distribution out of your investments is um, the easiest because it makes it easier for budgeting. Not a lot of people are going to be like, "Yeah, give me my fifty grand on January first, and I'll budget this out <laughs> the rest of the year." Sure, um, they want that you know split up so that it it's. It's like a paycheck coming in. It's just now being paid to you from your investments. But it is, you know, just to hammer on this, like it is so much more important if you're trying to do the fire movement and retire before age 59 and a half to have the right plan in place. And, you know, I always recommend working with someone that knows what they're doing. And because you you have to have the assets, diversified enough, not just from an investment standpoint, but from a tax standpoint so that you aren't paying these penalties. Because there's no point in saving money to then turn around and pay a penalty and give 10% back to the government just because you didn't plan correctly. So it is so much more important. Everyone that retires at 60 or after, they don't have to worry about this. They're over that age threshold. But if you're retiring before that, so, so, so important.
0: Well, I think the assumption... Also, with that eight percent four percent rule, is I don't think it factors any management fees.
2: No, in that. correct. And well,
0: do they assume that the individual is managing those investments on their own? Uh,
2: it would just be a, it, it would be a net eight percent. Then, so if you're doing it on your own, you need to get eight percent. If you have an advisor, um, you know, you need to take out their cost and net 8%. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. but with that being said, I mean, a lot of the fire movement, uh, again, from what I've, I've read, it seems to be a lot of people that like doing things on their own again to each their own. Uh, but we've, we've gone over this before the, you do get what you pay for. And if you're doing the fire movement and you're retiring early, you're clearly going to have enough time that it's not a time aspect anymore of, needing someone to manage your investments because you're also working like if you're completely retired you have just as much time as anyone who's you know any financial advisor working because you you have all of your time available to do that it would just be the expertise and can you learn things absolutely um you know but i go back to the vanguard because that's the big the big one that a lot of fire people are big fans of index funds vanguard funds and vanguard did a study. And if you are working with an advisor, you average two to three percent more per year uh, in higher returns. So you know, even if they cost you one percent, you're netting one to two percent more to work with a, a good advisor. So food yeah. for thought.
0: Yeah, for sure. Another random question yeah. that popped into my brain when you were talking about um, uh, that first year and finding stuff to do when you're re- quote unquote retired. Do you find with your clients, they have a um, a tough time in the first year of um, kind of meeting that uh, budgeted expense? Do you feel like they spend more or less um, just from the fact that, you know, you're used to working eight to five per se, and some of your expenses are limited because your time is, is secured and not freed up, so... I just, my mind goes to, okay, I'm retired, let's travel, and we're, it's more expensive than we initially budgeted. Is that a terrible question because no. that's what you plan for?
2: Oh, no. or no, no. I would say it typically goes one of two ways. Well, obviously one of three ways. Uh, you do have a, a group of people who, um, you yeah, know you put together the financial plan, and when they retire... They budget because they were very good at budgeting their their whole lives. And, you know, we've, they've saved enough where we factored this all in. They know what they're going to do. And so, you know, if they need $5,000 a month, they live off of their $5,000 a month. Um, but you do, there are people on the fringes uh, that it's, it, it kind of, like I say, breaks one way or the other of I have so much time available that I want to fill it. Uh, and doing things costs money and so Mm -hmm. they can easily go over expenses or I sometimes do see it on the flip side where, you know, people get so concerned about outliving their, their assets, even though, you know, we'll have a good probability of success, um, based on their financial plan and we've built out a really good plan for them. They're so concerned about the risk of outliving their expenses because they're no longer working that they, they kind of sink back and I would say do less. And it, if you're going to live that life, it is very inexpensive <laughs> to live in retirement. Um, I don't know how fulfilling that is to each their own. Uh, it really just depends on what enjoyment or what things bring enjoyment to you and bring fulfillment to you and, and all of those. But um, so, I wouldn't say at least from my client standpoint, I wouldn't say there's a a huge portion one way or the other. Most people are most of my clients are do just fine with sitting right in the middle. We create the plan and and they're they're good with it interesting mm-hmm.
0: all right. anything else that you want to touch on for the fire movement? I think it's a to recap, I think it's a good Something that you can take core pieces and apply it. That's what I'm going to do. I think we can all, you know, save more. I think that's the biggest learning thing for me is just to be a little bit more aggressive with saving. Um, And just it's another reminder of living within the means and keeping that why at the forefront. um, Yeah. Finding that lifestyle you want. Um, And I'm not so big on the the time and being retired young, I guess, as maybe somebody else that would be more interested in, in implementing this into their lifestyle. So
2: one well, I I guess I, I've one more kind of thought um experiment or whatever for, for you. Cause I've I've oh, kind sure, of sure. thought about this and and we can leave our listeners pondering as well because I don't know if there is an answer. Um, I, I agree with everything you just said. You know, I'm I'm very much for even if you take pieces of the, of the fire movement, it's going to make you more financially, uh, independent and, and more financially secure. So I think the whole movement itself is, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's just a matter of how aggressive people want to be. Um, but I'm curious, you know, I know obviously, a lot of people either don't have this desire or, you know, maybe it's a mindset. I feel like it's a lot, you know, of, of the younger generation that's wanting to do this more so than, you know, the baby boomers did with their mindset of more work to nine nine to five, work till you're 65. And and my, my question is, is if, what do you think would happen if enough of, you know, the millennials or enough of the you know, Gen Z or, you know, whatever the following generations are going to be, start doing this um, and become super savers and and do retire early. Because on one hand, that's amazing for them. Like they're going to have so much of their life to not feel trapped and, and do what they want and be truly financially free, which is what we would want for everyone. But then on the flip side, from a government standpoint, you're going to have people out of the workforce. And, you know, yeah. what if... I mean, think if if 10% of the population does this, which is a significantly higher percentage than where we are currently, but would still be a big dent in the economy, you know, your workforce just shrunk and there's less taxes to be collected because people aren't working as long and there's less money going into Social Security in there. And that that just... I was thinking about that. It's like, what if this would actually take hold? What would the government do? Would they... (laughs) I mean, you can't make people work. Obviously, I mean, it's just like it's a good thought. Do you have? I mean, do you have any thoughts on any no, of that? It's a,
0: I do, and I wonder. The first thing that comes to my brain is: I think our society is and government, the way that you posted it, it kind of takes advantage of the people that live within that society is kind of being dumb. Um, And I, that might be a terrible way to phrase that, but like, like we talked about with this, if we were all taking advantage and weaponizing compound interest in the markets and being good savers, we're not spending money on goods and Mm -hmm. we're not, then the, the economy is suffers and so it is an interesting thought experiment and
2: then well and then um, going off of that if we are all being super savers that means we're putting money into the market so on one hand money is funneling into the markets pushing right. prices of stocks up but on the other hand because we're taking more money and putting it into the markets we're not buying the same number of goods right. so yeah. I think it could potentially cause a bubble in the markets because you're going to have, I mean, kind of what happened uh, from the pandemic, like with everyone getting money from the government, going and putting it into the markets. And you started to see companies with price to earnings being so far out of line because money just kept flowing in there, but they weren't earning as much. So if your earnings are down, but your stock price is up, um, I mean, it's just maybe, maybe there'd have to be a reset of normal price-to-earnings multiple and what, it, what the new norm is. I mean, I don't I don't know. Um, but yeah, the economy's going to suffer. Government's going to suffer less money. But yet people, individuals, are going to be doing better, assuming the stock market mm-hmm. still does well, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just an interesting. I, I don't know how much...
0: I think we like nice things too much.
2: Oh uh, yeah, I as much as I like the fire movement like and I want yeah, exactly, as much as I want people to do this for themselves individually, uh that is right. utopian. I don't think that we likely get there, but hypothetically if we would even kind of get there, it's one of those like it, this is so great for individuals but probably it feels terrible like a Black for episode. Yeah, cuz it, it would be terrible for society. <laughs> Um you know for for society as a whole um it's just interesting, but anyway, hmm. for our listeners, food for thought, something, something to, to ponder yeah something yeah. to ponder, but I don't think we're unfortunately, I don't think we'll probably will ever get to that point uh there's just not enough people that are super savers like this,
0: sure, well, with every time someone shares the podcast, maybe we'll educate somebody and. And I don't know if we want to get closer to that standpoint, but like you said.
2: Well, I don't think we ever will. Yeah. But if you are trying to be a super saver now, because you're not in the majority of people, it is easier for you to do it rather than when everyone's doing it. Sure. Sure. So,
0: yeah, let us know. Let us know if you're interested in the fire Fire movement. Uh, support our podcast uh, by pressing that follow button, that like button, or subscribe. Leave us a five star review, and most importantly, if you really want to support this podcast, tell a friend or or share us share it on your social medias. That'll help us uh, expand and and spread the fire movement. We're not really <laughs> benefiting anything from that, but some great principles. Um, I loved this episode. I don't know about you, Tanner, but that was a good conversation. I think for um just a gen taking a, a a very specific movement and taking core pieces of it and realizing that that's basically just a financial plan
2: yep so anybody I can think do, do good
0: th- good practice yep so if you have any questions or suggestions for a future episode uh, shoot us an email at podcast at com. that's podcast com. Thank you for listening to this episode and you will hear us in the next.
1: This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.